feeling obliged to congratulate Dan for being the first one here. Welcome to Hand of Pod. episode 480 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam and I'm joined this week by Santi. Hi guys, good to finally be back here. Yeah, for the first time in a very long time, because you've not, it's the first time you've seen the new microphone hat, so that means that it's the first time you've recorded since <laughs> I got back from England. Very uh, exciting. Dan. Hello. Who told us seconds before I switched the microphone on that he was the first here. Andres. Hello, welcome. And the actual first person here, Tony. Hello. Because we're recording in Tony's flat to say goodbye to him because he really is leaving in uh, five days' time. Five days. So this will be Tony's final recording with us. Very sad. Unless you go to World Cup. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that will happen. Or the Copa America. Maybe if we're lucky enough. If our Patreon numbers increase considerably. (laughs) (laughs) You can help us to do that by going to patreon.com slash handofpod and signing up for lots and lots of lovely extra content. Um, There have been, since we last recorded, most of two rounds of matches played in the Copa de la Liga. Shall I go through all the results? Might as well. Okay then. Instituto nil, Deportivo Riestra nil, Tigre nil, Sarmiento nil. Uh, these matches were kicking off the Copa de la Liga as we recorded last week, if I remember correctly. Or really? those two might have just been played. And then we watched Central Cordoba versus Newells, which finished 1 nil, thanks to a 95th minute goal from Giovanni Chiaverano, who therefore had scored the first goal any of us had seen. Um, a fitting player to score a goal since yes. we're in summer. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Uh, some of that did have to do with the fact that we'd chosen not to watch the other game that was on at the same time, though that ended Atletico Tucumán 1, Rosario Central 1. And then later in, well, the week, because that game was, those four games were played on a Thursday, uh, we had Barracas Central 1, Vélez Sarsfield 1, Tacheres 0, Gimnasia 1, Independiente Rivadavia 0, Independiente 1, Banfield nil, Huracan two, San Lorenzo nil, Lanús two, Platense nil, Boca nil, Racing nil, Union one. I'm sure Tony and Dan will be talking about that one in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Godoy Cruz two, Defensa y Justicia nil, River one, Argentinos one, Estudiantes one, and Belgrano nil. And the second round of matches. Just to say, there wasn't a single game with more than two goals. And also that that Estudiantes win was was, was I think the one of the final games or the second to last final game on the match on the match week and it was the first home win of second. the whole second okay the first one which was the first one Guadalajara well, and Guadalajara yeah there were only yeah, two home wins throughout if yeah. if Estudiantes haven't won that game it will be the first time that our first match week week yeah. will end with only one home, home win. win. Since 2013. Wow. Oh, well, there you go. When they only had 10 matches per week instead of 15 yeah. <laughs> as well. So. Uh, and then in round two, which has been happening midweek, it 
well, not only midweek really, but early week as well, because it started on Monday, didn't it? Yep. Monday, yes. There was no gap. Uh, Instituto 3, Atletico Tucumán 0, Huracán 1, Tacheres 2, Gimnasia 2, Independiente Rivadavia 3, Rosario Central, Banfield ended goalless, Lanús 0, Newells 2, Vélez 0, Independiente 1, Argentinos 2, Deportivo Riestra 0, Defensa Justicia 3, Platense 0, Belgrano 1, San Lorenzo 1, Racing 3, Tigre 0, Barracas 0, River 2. At the moment, with half an hour to play, Boca Juniors lead Sarmiento 1-0 in the Bomboneras? No, no, no. no. In the Nuevo Gasometro for some reason, even though it's a Boca home game. We'll find out why in a... Well, I'll find out why in a couple of minutes. I'm assuming the other four around the table are already aware. Uh, Union versus Estudiantes and Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero to avoid the confusion after our discussion last week about what various clubs are called. Uh, versus Godoy Cruz, Antonio Tomba will both be played later on this evening. So I'll try to give you the results of those after the final theme music because I imagine this podcast is going to go up on Friday because I, yeah, don't fancy editing tonight. I've got other stuff to do. Um, main takeaways from the, I mean, the main takeaway is that two teams have got 100% records. That's yep. not quite true. Estudiantes all, uh, and Union, uh, four cool. teams have one hundred. Uh, five teams, sorry, because Godoy Cruz also won their first game. Uh, but two teams have, as at the time of recording, have got have won two matches from two. Uh, and those two teams are Independiente, so we've got Santi here, so we'll discuss them uh, in a second, and Newell's, one in Group A and one in Group B. Santi. Independiente had... Um, a slightly chaotic pre-season off the pitch, which we forgot to mention last week, and I'm slightly surprised and, and disappointed in myself for forgetting to mention it, because although I didn't really understand what was going on, it, it seemed pretty funny as a non-independent <laughs> fan. Could you talk us through that, and then talk us through uh, how Carlos Tevez's side have started the season on the pitch? But first of all, what happened with that pre-season tour that then didn't happen? Why is Carlos Tevez trying to scam his employers out of loads of money or something? I don't know. Uh, explain what, what what was going on. Yeah, I'm certainly disappointed at you for not mentioning it before because mm. this is like peak hand of pot. It, it was this a season preview. We had a lot of other stuff to get through. Yeah, a couple of weeks have passed. Like yeah, yeah. Just the I moment mean, wasn't there. This is the kind of stuff that that's le- leads directly to being discussed in the hand of pot, of course. But anyway, so. Um, Independiente were supposed to, you know, get the January transfer business pretty quickly uh, done so that um, Carlos Tevez could have a full squad to work with towards preseason, which they agreed to be held in the state of Florida, in the US of A. Uh, a real state, by the way. Sorry? A real state. Yeah. Some people think it doesn't exist. Yeah. It's, it's a I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. uh, I mean... It's a weird place. It's it a is. generally weird place with weird people in it, but yep. it is a real one. It is. No offense to any of our Floridian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that is from Florida, I mean, knows they the, they the know conspiracy theory for sure. They know. They know. Um, so they would um, have their preseason, which would be entirely covered not by the club, which, as we all know, is not exactly in their best position in terms of you know their economics, but by uh, a company which would pay for the trip and for the, the stay at a resort in Florida, 
when they would be training uh, and they would also have free friendlies against different teams from South America. Uh, I think one of them was against Sporting Cristal and another one was against uh, Olimpia de Honduras, the team managed by Pedro Troglio. It's not South America, but okay. Yeah. okay yeah. Latin America. Latin America. Just big. Uh, yeah. I know, and they would be even televised. They had a, an agreement for them to be televised by Star Plus. Um, this was all in agreement mm. until in the final hours before the players were supposed to get on the plane, the whole thing was cancelled out of nowhere. And in the main, they were left in a scramble trying to organize, you know, a preseason from scratch in the middle of January because they had everything agreed, they had everything signed, and now they, they yeah. wouldn't be able to travel even. They'd also paid a load of money to this company for the plane tickets, right? Yeah, uh, the thing is, uh, apparently, uh, and up until a few days before they were supposed to travel, they didn't even have the, pla the plane tickets, and then all of a sudden, like hours before they were supposed to go, they, they, they got them. But the stay was the main issue. They, they didn't get any guarantees when it came to the stay of the players. They couldn't this oh, the visa. supposed resorts. No, no, oh, no, no, the accommodation. The yeah, the accommodation, oh, right. exactly. Now, there, there were a couple issues with visas. I think one of them was uh, specifically Ayrton Costa, who had uh, an issue with his visa and could not travel at first, but then no one could travel anyway. So, the thing is that uh, at first people were wondering, like, well, yeah, what the hell happened? Why did this uh, thing fall apart so quickly? And why were Independiente, te a team that is in serious financial struggle, was supposed to have their preseason in a very luxurious uh, resort in Florida? So there's uh, one thing, which is that the company which was organizing this whole uh, itinerary was called uh, black and white mm. and uh, they were you know they they had given uh, independent all these guarantees uh, until the when people started to look into this company they found out they had nothing on there was nothing on them there was no official register registration of this company yeah. even existing thing is uh, a colleague of ours went into uh, Carlos Tevez's recent past, his last stint before Independiente, which was the Rosario Central, which was ended early because mm -hmm. he was sacked by the end of 2022. Mm -hmm. But back in October, he had already begun to organize his preseason for Rosario Central. In October 2022. Exactly. Five, yeah. Exactly. In October, he was beginning to organize uh, the, the preseason for his Rosario Central squad. And they were, guess what? supposed to to have to have it take place in florida with black and white fc as the so guess Florida's what team? uh so let can you please remind me what was the last european team uh that carlos represented before coming back to south america juventus juventus his nickname is the bianconeri the black exactly. whites exactly i mean there is nothing of course like concrete that would uh, link exactly Carlos Tevez with this particular uh, business but there's certain there certainly are some signals that make this whole thing extremely shady so the suggestion here is that he's scammed his own employers out of a lot of money and he almost 
and, and yet they haven't did it fired twice. him. This time, at least, they haven't fired him. Is the suggestion that Central found out that this was happening and that's why he got sacked? I mean, the, the thing is that Central supposedly sacked him because of poor results. And it kind of checks out because yeah. his state at Brazil Central wasn't exactly glowing or anything. Mm. It was it wasn't disastrous either. It was uh, it was average. It was it, it was average. I mean, At the he, point that they fired him, none of us were especially surprised. Well, exactly, they taken a bit of a downturn after being fairly decent. I mean, he was given credit for um, giving minutes to a lot of uh, young players that eventually Rosario cashed in very well for, the likes of you know Infantino, Belis, mm. Buonanotte, um, this guy Tanongo as well. Uh, all, all of them were sold to Europe for pretty hefty fees, and all of them came through the youth ranks uh, in large part thanks to Davis. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, we could we could argue that I mean his his firing could be uh, justified in that way, and not, and we don't have enough proof to <laughs> as to whether he was involved in trying trying to scam them. But the thing is, there is a pattern here, and it. And it is a rather, you know, <laughs> shady pattern. So in the paint, they were forced to kind of reorganize on the spot, and they ended up having the preseason at the AFA training complex in the Seisa. I mean, they were already they were already at the airport, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And they played a couple friendlies. They weren't televised, uh, so that that whole contract fell through the window. Uh, and they went into the transfer market, uh, of course, trying to you know improve massively the the overall quality of the squad. And I feel like at first it looked like it looked like they did that. They signed a, a striker that I really like, which is Gary Lavalos from Argentinos. They signed the Ignacio Maestro Pucho on loan from Atlético Tucumán. Who is I mean, it's not exactly set the world alight at Atlético Tucumán, but he always looks promising. Uh, they signed a, a kid from Atletico Rafaela called Axel Luna, who looks good as well. They signed an Ecuadorian midfielder called um, Johnny Quiñones, who already has has been given one of the greatest nicknames I've ever seen, which is Cocucha. <laughs> and uh, the thing is that within all these signings, the... And Spotlight, too. Yeah, that's that's where I was going. I mean, they, yeah. the thing within the event is that since... Uh, both of their, uh, well, two of their uh, starting centre backs uh, have already left the club in the like um, in the in the shape of you know, Bias and uh, well someone else that I can't remember right now, uh, Elizalde. Yeah, they were both leaving the club, uh, and they only signed in defence. They only signed uh, Adrian Sportlev, who was not good for Arsenal. He was just a liability on the left. Yeah. And the old, not a centre back. Yeah, but he's a left back. But yeah, he was supposed to be signed because Davis wanted to implement a, a five-man defence, uh, something that in the in these first couple of games that's not worked exactly well. And uh, they only signed uh, another centre back uh, from Nova Chicago called Juan Manuel Fedorco. But that but something funny happened because Fedorco is not exactly the man that Davis wanted. The whole the idea at first was for him to sign him. And then loan him to Newell's, as they waited for someone else. Uh, the the man they wanted actually was Franco Paredes, uh, who was contracted to River but was on loan at Sarmiento. Mm-hmm. But since they could not sign him, uh, Davis was kind of forced into integrating him into the first team because that was the only signing at centre back that he got. 
because uh, if anything happens right now to Joaquin Lasso and Felipe Aguilar, then Independiente would, would be left with only one centre back in yeah. the whole squad. So they're a little light in that particular area. Having said that, Independiente have not exactly uh, convinced enough, at least uh, when it comes to you know signals on the pitch. But they've been getting results, which I think I feel like uh, when you consider that the the pace. Uh, at the start of this Copa de la Liga has been really slow because I mean it still feels like some teams are trying to you know find the rhythm. Uh, it's it feels like preseason sometimes. Um, I mean there's st still of course several things to improve, but the fact that Independiente can still keep winning games while they find what their best team is, I think I feel like that's a great uh, that's a great sign. I mean, yeah, I was, was going to ask, is it? I mean, two one nil away wins mm -hmm. in a row, so two away wins is exactly is good. It, is there a little bit of a dampened enthusiasm because they've been against Independiente Rivadavia who newly promoted and Vélez who last season weren't any kind of great shape. Well, Independiente Rivadavia were a fortress at home last season in the, in in the, the Premier League. In the level. second division. Yeah, but they were, man. And, and, look how, and look how they started the following game. I mean, they, they look pretty, pretty good uh, at, in those Ooh. first couple games. Uh, and actually, they play really well at home against Independiente, and Independiente especially during that first half before Tevez realized that they needed to play someone to try to connect the midfield and, uh, and the strikers. He played uh, well, Santiago Tolosa, who eventually became the man of the match in that game. Uh, and I feel like, I mean, we're starting to look at kind of um, building blocks, little building blocks towards what in the, what in the painter's best, best starting 11 is. And uh, it's always better if I mean, in case you're still wondering what your best team, what your best team is, and whether you still have stuff to improve, I mean, there's worse things to do than keep winning while you're still looking for that. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, expectations for the season? Well, for the Copa de la Liga, let's say. Right? Yeah. The whole season, I mean, so. the boss around in the Benito Tevez and the players, they all said they want to fight for the title. Uh, I don't think uh, I'm all that you know hyped for for that. I feel like in the Vindy have a pretty decent options at, on the forward areas, but they're really light on defense, as I said before. But I feel like in the Vindy this time should have enough to qualify to the at least to the to the quarterfinals. Uh, something that they incredibly slipped out of the fingers at the at the very end of the yes. last Copa de la Liga. Yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. This time I feel like they should get the job done. They have a much better squad than last year, even if it's still a middling kind of squad. When it, when you compare it to like you know I don't know Falcioni's in twenty twenty one, but uh, but yeah I feel like this time they should have enough to at least at the very least qualify and finish in the first four places. How many points do you need for the players? Was it 18, 20 last time? Something like that, yeah. They already have six. So like I was going to say it should not, be. And obviously as long as nothing happens to either of those centre backs, because then mm -hmm. you don't have any. Yeah. Uh, moving right. on, the I guess one match that we really have to go into some detail about from the first round is Racing versus Union because we have a Racing fan and an Union uh, fan <laughs> present. Do and, you want uh, to, Dan? I mean, I'm sure Dan doesn't want to. Turn I can talk yeah. about both. I was actually at both games, so and the guest in the, in the team. I oh, know he finally what didn't. No. I didn't want. 
Oh no 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 no! no, no. If I if I if I want to see him and, and I, I will have to scream we, without we goal. Be here right now. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Recording the loss of Tony yeah. days before he was due to leave the country. Yeah, a bit shame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Thirteen minutes in in the cylindro, Joaquin Mosqueira opened the scoring and indeed scored what turned out to be the only goal uh, yep. for Union in that opening match. There was a late penalty apparently. But no. So I mean, it was uh, initially no, no. called, yeah. That was ruled out by VAR, I was going to say, Dan, if you'd allow me to finish. Did he call it in the uh, first place? Yep. Oh. Uh, yeah, it says here there was a VAR check and said no, no penalty. I thought he was so just was looking at it and then decided. No, 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 I think it was No, but he place. awarded a foul, a previous foul, I think. Yep. Yeah, because Rassi going to have a corner and they ended up with nothing. Mm. Oh, um, story of the day. But overall, that game... Crap. Uh, yeah, I agree that wrestling was really bad. I, I Both teams were pretty. I think we were a little bit beyond the result. I think we were better, a little bit better, especially in the first half. They we, were, yeah. Union were better. We we played. We were really solid defensively, and I think mm. anything that Racing tried, which was mainly playing A, give the ball to Carbonero, and B, uh, cross it. Dreadful. He was driving me crazy the whole yeah. time. Yeah, pass was good, trying to control him. Blink, full blinkers on, running down blind alleys, uh, trying to. Do and I think we, I think, uh, I the, what I like, it's we, we're still having troubles to score goals because if I'm, I think I think we could have scored a second definitely. Yeah, we had towards the end where just enough everything kind chances. Of to score. I remember a Corbalan had a hit the post. That would have just been the mm. piss. <laughs> we got safe from that. Elizabeth. Yeah, but I think we were a little bit more calm, composed in terms of managing the game. Mm-hmm. Because in any other game, this Union squad, which is relatively mm-hmm. young, except for Gamba and Corvalan, yeah. will have maybe find a way to equalize <laughs> in the end. Like it almost happened. Mm-hmm. But we controlled the game quite well. Campisi was really good. Um, not only making some time, but also going long, trying to find Orsini and Gamba in space to kill some seconds. I think it was a clever mm-hmm. performance yes. from Union, mostly. Agree. And a yeah, very, very stupid performance from... Yeah, yeah it, rats- it rattled the uh, Racing players as well. Look at what Quintero said after the game as well. Well, Quintero could cry harder. If <laughs> but, uh, they were annoyed, but... I mean, they have themselves. Yeah, for, the, for the benefit of our listeners, what did Quintero say after the game? No, he said that it was uh, unethical for the other for for the t- for the players of the other team to not think of the colleagues and and keep wasting time. Yeah, basically staying down after awesome. every like. It happens in every Every game. team in Argentina Shana. does it. Even Racing. Even Racing. Yeah. Even Independiente and their goalkeeper. Oh yeah, all does it. An incredible amount. Yeah. Oh, no. Everybody does it. Like, don't don't come Wednesday to come to me with being business. ethical no, or whatever. Like, shut up, man. Yeah, I say you know you lost fairly, yeah. and that's it. I'm talking. I'm talking to Quintana, not to you. But like, <laughs> you, you lost fairly. You did not. Oh, absolutely fairly. Yeah. You had maybe a couple of chances. Yeah. I remember that Conti header, stuff like that. But it wasn't very really, very little. Fairly. Yeah, very a little bit of activity around the box. So. Yeah. But I think more than anything, from Racing's point of view, it's kind of you could see it was the first game of the year with a new coach, about eight new players between the subs and the, and the starters, new tactics, kind of whole yeah. different thing. 
very, very rusty. It didn't seem like they'd done a whole lot in pre-season, to be honest. Um, <laughs> all of the games... You can say that for so most They kind of go on to a side now. What happened yeah, to the Torneo think, de Verano? I think... No, yeah. I, I mean, think, I don't want it all to get back and like we have I to think be that's talking about point. it all the time. I think that's a good point. Let me watch a fucking free. We have a few players like River. Not a lot of players. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good point that what you put on the table and obviously the mm. sure is out because we have to see what happens in a couple of hours with Estudiantes, but... Union, except from Campisi, who was already last year, the, uh, Calderon left and now mm. Paz is replacing him. Torrent was the only one that wasn't playing before mm-hmm. in Union of the new faces because we have the two Pitons mm. and yes. Gamba. So that also comes with knowing what it takes when you play. I'm, I'm not talking like going into. Um, being a tribunero, but more talking about the, the, the what it takes to know how to grind a result. Playing mm-hmm. for Union in a big in a big. Uh, I mean, obviously, you play for for Union, you go to Racing. You know exactly what's expected. Yeah, like mm. yeah, 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 yeah. But they know it because kick, they, they, it kick, happened run, before. Run, kick, I mean, Gamba, Gamba was was there when we won at the Bombonera, when we won last time in in, in El Cilindro. And when you come from another team, and I'm giving like wide examples, like the guys from Uruguay, or we come, we get a, a player from the National B, they don't exactly know what to do in those situations, but players like Gamba know they were clever enough without being super fast or super tricky. It was knowing what to do, what's the script to get the 1 0. Yes. And that probably going to pay some dividends uh, in the long run, hopefully. But. Mm. It was it was clear it was more of a being clever with the game mm-hmm. rather than uh-huh. overwhelmingly play better. Mm. So as Tony says, Union against Estudiantes will be kicking off in well, just under an hour actually because we were so late starting. Um, but Racing have already been able to, as Alan Partridge might say, bounce back, and they've they done definitely so quite did well. bounce back. Yes. Goals from a, a very early goal from Agustin Almendra, and not quite as early, still pretty early goal from Roger Martinez. And consider that in the middle of those two goals, there was about a three-minute delay while they checked the first one for mm. VAR. So it was pretty much instant. Like, um, Yeah, I mean, it's a cliche, but in this case, completely true. It was a different team. Yeah, it was. Um, I think quite literally, like... Had, had the same place, changed about five players. Juan Fernando Quintero scored the third with 20 minutes to go. Yeah, Quintero survived, um, Roger yeah, survived, like Adias survived, but then Mendo. Roger and, mm. and Adias both went off at half time injured. I was going to say, yeah, Arias didn't survive the match. To be fair, the, the, yes. the, the pitch was a trap. Santiago Sosa did survive, but he was shoved into central defence. Mm. Kind hmm. of strangely, and he did really well. Like he looked much That's better. He did the same for River when he was there. Yeah. Uh, mm. um, the beach was atrocious, so I understand that two players were injured. Yes, uh, still recovering from the Ringo Francis. Yeah, they had like a, a three in about a week, and apparently they like didn't give Racing any money for it either. A lot of teams like have this. It was problem. a total of about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the three concerts Racing picked up. It's like, was it worth it? Really? Um, but yeah, uh, they played kind of in a formation, a system which completely, you know, suited Racing to the ground. Like gave Quintero just license to roam, and he had a fantastic game. Yeah, defense was rock solid. Um, I've only seen highlights of, of well, I only saw highlights of the Union game. I didn't watch that one because it was quite late, and I knew that 
we were going to have two people on who had paid full attention to it. Mm. Um, and then I didn't watch the, the Tigre game, uh, which was last night, right? Yep. Yeah. It was last um, night, yes. But from looking at the formation here, like the, the Union game, from what I saw, Quintero seemed to be kind of chucked over onto the sort of onto the right, on the right side wing. It's yeah. like an inverted winger. Yes. And last night, if SofaScore had got their formation correct, here, which <laughs> they might very well not have done because it's SofaScore, um, he's in more kind of in behind the strikers, which is no, it was a free run. Completely it was a free run. run. Okay. Drop back to this defensive midfielder, to like a quarterback at times. Turned up there. on both wings. Turned up up front. Like, That's also where you wanted. That's exactly yeah. where you want him. Yeah, I mean, and I think he played the whole the ninety minutes. And he looked fantastic doing it. So he's in. He's in good shape, like, which mm. is very positive uh, for Racing. Uh, Defence was a completely different beast. Even you know just overhauling it overnight, both in personnel and tactics. Um, I'm guessing the real Racing is somewhere in between Union and Tigre, like the two games. Not entirely sure kind of what extreme or at what point it's going to land, but they've got a lot of players at well, Racing. That's one of the things you can say. Like, <laughs> It's a massive squad considering they've got about four players as well uh, in Venezuela at the moment. Um, and also that wasn't on the squad yesterday. Right? No, but I think he's only going to be a reserve kind of like... Back up for, uh, for Rojas, really. Really? Yep. Venezuela. You pay that much money for it. Well, exactly. When you're wrestling, you can do what you want, man. Okay. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, lots yeah, of Racing are not exactly a, a team that have any money issues. Anyway, so. Just fun working out where to spend it. Like, that's, that's the only <laughs> issue we got, man. Like, chucking it all over. Venezuela, yeah, like, in case. Helicopter you... drop before the game last night, just chucking dollars on the pitch, letting fans fight over it. <laughs> you, you can pay for a new, new, new pitch. No, <laughs> that's why. That's no. where. That's the limit. That's where you draw the line. Yeah, we have got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, yeah. that'd be sick. In case you can't remember from last week or didn't listen to last week and are wondering why Dan mentions Venezuela, it's because that's where the Olympic qualifying tournament is currently mm-hmm. being played. So he's saying that there are going to be four players coming back into the team for racing quite soon, but not as soon as we might have feared last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. No, because again they've got a good result as I was quite puzzled to report that they had good results even though I was expecting to look at the table and find that they were bottom um, when we last recorded. What was the good result? Well they've already qualified for the final phase. Yeah. We'll maybe talk a bit about that later but hmm. I mean we gave a lot of coverage of that last week so we'll see. Uh, Racing's next match, just like Union's next match. <laughs> It's against Estudiantes. Mm-hmm. So, away to Estudiantes as well. So, after two home games, you might get a sense of where the real Racing are when they visit La Plata. Um, next next week? No, this weekend. This weekend. Of course. Um, one of the two teams who we who, who Dan picked out as the two that we have to talk about in a pre season preview last week, perhaps for understandable reasons, um, well, one of them are currently is currently drawing one-one at home to at home in San Lorenzo Stadium oh, yeah. to Sarmiento because Sarmiento equalised about when fifteen minutes ago. Uh, the other drew on the opening weekend and won y- yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What is going on with my sense of time at the moment? I've watched that game. <laughs> um, they drew at home to Argentinos Juniors, one-one in a. Sort of an all right match and uh, beat Barracas Central 2 0 away, also not in 
Um, just as Boca are not playing in their own stadium at the moment, not in Barracas Central Stadium, but in Lanús Stadium. Yeah. We have a listener's question about that later. So they are restyling their stadium, apparently. Yeah. The Chiquitapia Stadium. Lots of stadium restyling going yeah. on, if that's the reason for everybody. Um, Andres, I thought, especially in the Argentinos match, but really in both of them, this river, not a bad team, clearly a very strong squad, very, very vertical in their approach, aren't they? It's th- there's not a lot of pausa in in that midfield. <laughs> yeah, well, that's perhaps because there are a lot of kids there. Mm. Um, it, I mean, it also kind of reflects what we were saying last week about you losing De La Cruz, and you know, I think it was Danny made the point that well, who who are you looking at now to be the kind of playmaker? There are some very able midfielders, obviously Nacho Fernandez, but he's not a number ten, and he's at the moment being asked well, to be a number ten. Independently of his number ten or not, he's not at his best moment. Mm. Thinking about the, the, the way he's playing, uh, I don't know whether he's tired or simply he's uh, not with their high 100% confidence, and, and, and that is something you could you can see. Yesterday, for example, at night was quite like uh, trying, but not he, he. I think he could tell that things weren't, uh, uh, I mean, the results weren't good from his the, the, the times he tried to play. And uh, but uh, back to the Argentinos game, we had well. I, I talked about the, the the problems for Chaverri to play because there uh, were a lot of midfielders ahead of him, and suddenly uh, I don't know whether it was a, a mental problem from. I mean, not they are they are ill, but <laughs> they they have a lot of pressure on them or because there were problems in the precision, talking about the physical mm. works, uh, there were a lot of musc- muscle injuries. Mm. In fact, the, la- the night before Argentina's game, uh, uh, Matias Cranevitar and uh, Agustín Palacino were two more uh, players added to that uh, problem of injuries. And as a result, it was only Nacho Fernandez as the playmaker, even when he's perhaps not an American, but... And in the bench was Franco uh, Mastanduono, the mm. kid I told you, he's 16 years old. Who started uh, the next game against Barracas. Yes, the third uh, most youngest player to start a game for River in wow. history. Uh, 18, right? Who, who, do you know who the other two are? Yes, Matteo Musacchio and I think it was... Uh, Musacchio? Remember Musacchio? Yeah. And Mas, I think it was Mas. I did a list earlier for an article. Three things that are older than Mastro Antuoni. The well, one? Actually, nine things. Uh, the iPhone, PlayStation 3, and all seven Harry Potter books. They are all older than Mastro Antuoni. Yeah, you went safe there. Hmm? You went safe there. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> to, 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 to be so fair. I was going to say, in fact, we probably got some listeners who are listening to that list and being like, yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> Santi is is probably going. These things have been around for as long as I can remember. So, uh, but uh, just trust us, Santi. To us, that feels like yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, maybe maybe the first Harry Potter movie was around when he was born. Look, the fifth Harry Potter. No, 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 no,
the most kind of chaotic player or most like uh, yeah direct player in the squad and still became even more direct Who's after that? he left, right? Who? De La Cruz. See, I think De La Cruz is a little bit more a little bit more of a number 10. I mean, he is a number 10, but he's not the, the kind of number 10 that would like... He's not someone like Quintero, he's not, for example. He's not Riquelme. He's not Quintero. Well, the kid that started that night, it was... Even when he's, of, co of course, in the formation, but one, in one of the sides, he he's a classical... The enganche, the mm. one who... Yeah, he kind of plays he, on the He wing, slots he? into that kind of number 10. In the long term. Yeah, but it's not. he doesn't have like the qualities or the... The, the characteristics of a typical yeah, number ten, at least in the Argentine kind of like conscience. Yeah, and, and his, I mean, last night at least, anyway, his position on the pitch was more out wide. Yeah. I, I guess it makes sense, right? If you're going to play somebody that young, then don't put them right in the middle of the pitch where they're going to be run over by. Yeah, it, it always happens, like when, when you have a number 10 kind of a coming up uh, for a, for a f for the first team it's it always happens that they are like kind of stuck <laughs> to the wing mm -hmm. but he was yeah. smart enough and quick enough not to fall into the typical i mean Baraga central is not of course a, a tough team and we could we can say oh mastantuono yes because he played against Baraga central he was great anyway mm -hmm. but he was smart not to fall into Possible fouls, perhaps. That mm. the typical thing is that you, uh, that the Baraka Central defender says that, oh, Matantuono, 16 years old, and creative midfielder, we will go look and look for him and to try to not to, to advance and, and kick the yeah. living shit out of him. Yes, yeah. and uh, um, and I know whether he's unconscious or or incredibly mature for the age he has, 16 years old, mm. but he played so naturally. Yeah, of course, he has to. He has to continue like that and, and uh, uh, against teams, perhaps stronger teams. I know where Maraca Central has the same thing that, for example, uh, um, in Eventor Rivadavia, who teams who might have built all, all with a, a lot of players from other teams to try to compete in first division. Mm. And in the case of Maracas, they were already in first division, but I am quite sure they, they, there were a lot of players leaving and others coming. Uh, and uh, well, it was a quite a, a dull match against Argentina Juniors. I, I mentioned also Nicolas Fonseca, <laughs> who ha had their best impressions in the preseason, but he had to make his debut from the beginning at the Monumental because yeah. he, where well, I said Granvitter wasn't uh, yeah, available, was yeah. and the double number five midfielder was with him and Aliendro who is also another player who played quite, I mean, justifying the, 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 the signing last year. Mm. And now he's like, uh, I know, uh, not, we're not confident, like Frank Nacho. Um, the other youngster at River who we have to talk about, because I'm sure if we don't, we'll get somebody asking about him, is Agustin Roberto, who not the youngest player or the third youngest player to play for River but when his goal went in uh, to put River 2-0 up last night I'm sure the commentator said something about him being the youngest player to score for them since somebody 20 years ago or something Kiko Vichelba 10 years ago oh. not quite 20 years ago then right no, 
Not 10. Is not 18, 10? 15? 18. 2015, right? 2015. Yeah. yeah, 15. Yeah. Oh, 15 years. He turned 18 two, two weeks ago. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, he's, he's 18 years and about three weeks old. Yeah, we made that. We time. made that tweet, so I'm pretty sure. Well, well done, sir. <laughs> but yeah, he came off the bench. He scored quite quickly afterwards, yes. didn't he? Yeah. He'd been on the pitch for um, uh, yeah, 13 minutes when he scored. And it was a really well-taken goal, yeah. Um, so listen out for that name. Right, what are yes, they? Yes, uh, the golden boot from the... Of course, the World Cup. Oh, yeah, team. that's the thing the commentators Eight like goals there. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, of course, yeah, you, have, you are playing. You are playing there with, of course, other kids with mm. the same age you are because you, they can't be uh, uh, more than 17. But uh, uh, I think also the second match, because against Argentinos, it was similar to Mastantuano. He uh, uh, jumped into the match with a few minutes to play, but just to be used to, to playing in first division and last night was also like uh, Matantuano naturally uh, not passing the ball to a teammate but uh, shooting on target and then doing it. Mm. Talking yeah. about that, it was the first time that River had another 20 in the starting 11 since June 2022. Oh. Hmm. Wow. That's surprising. That is. I think given the, the record that their uh, academy has. Um, any other teams that we particularly want to give a quick mention to before the halftime? Well, we have to pass from the young to the young at heart. Everwanega ripping oh. up the Copa de la Liga. Not so much in the first game where he looked puffed after about yeah, half an hour. Against Lanús, uh, man of the match by all accounts, just ran the show from the middle. And as expected, right? I mean, as we all mean, expected him to be like, yeah, immediately right one away, of yeah. the best, one of the best players in the in the division as soon as he stepped foot back. Because of his name, I personally haven't watched a game of his probably in five years, but I'm always wanting him to to show what he can do. I, I want uh, to and put apparently he's still got it. Yeah, I want to put something on the table. There's, there's a little bit more technical. I want to see what everyone thinks right. about. The actual playing time of the games. Mm, yeah, yeah. I yes. feel like I, I heard this. Mm, like, all the games are between 41 and 43 minutes. Mm-hmm. And except? The, except the, insti- the Instituto against... What you mean yes, by this? Was it? What, what, what you mean by this? Ball in play. What Tony is, is, is the stats about means by this is, that in, this is the n- amount of time the ball is actually spent in play for the yeah. amount of time that uh, the 90 minutes plus stoppage time that we have yeah, to Yeah, Instituto it. against... I think the one was 38 minutes. So, I want to see your opinion because what, it, what's, to, to help us put this in context, though, those of us who don't pay as much attention to stats as you do, which is everybody, um, <laughs> what would the average be for? I hate to use this phrase, but for one of the European top five leagues, um, it's around 52, 53. Right. Could be mm-hmm. higher now that the Premier League is like asking referees to add 10 minutes yeah uh usually which is why one of the reasons we were quite late starting tonight yeah somebody <laughs> said he was going to be leaving his place to come here on conclusion of the manchester united yeah i've got to say i'm in favor of having as less you know the least amount of ball in play time as possible as long as we don't have 10 minutes to establish time on each game but the thing just is, cut uh, it it's fine we don't need this any more of instituto central Córdoba. <laughs> we don't need 10 minutes we don't need 15 minutes to time End it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's that's, 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 that's a point. And interestingly, right, if you can't get the ball in play in the actual ninety minutes, you're not going to get it in the next <laughs> game. Just end it. Go home. Yeah. I, wholeheartedly, go home. I wholeheartedly agree, and I feel like 
um, this kind of uh, stance that FIFA is kind of trying to trickle down from what we've seen at the World Cup yeah. onwards with trying to, you know, ask referees to uh, add as much, as add as much time as, as, as they need to. They should yeah. be adding less like, time. I feel like time. It, it, it's... You want to be like the referee of the let's, Afghan? Like, let's uh, cut, uh, yeah. Let's let's finish let's, let's let's cut the game minutes. to 80 minutes, yeah. 70. Like, just, I want to go yeah. home. Yeah. But, if, but I feel like it's going to get diminishing returns because, I mean... If you go, if you have more playing time, players are going to get even more tired because they have so many more mm. games on their backs. And when you have like ten minutes of added time, they will want to have nothing one, to do with it. One thing I will say it's about like that. American football with timeouts, like yeah. you know, each team will have three timeouts, and all the games are going to yeah. last three hours. Twelve matches a game. American football. Uh, but one thing I will say about, about that that at least is the case here is that if the top clubs were to complain about that to the AFA, then the obvious response for the AFA. <laughs> is to cut the top flight to a sensible number of teams so they don't yes. have at least the match overload here at least is Jesus yes yeah. and if you um, don't want to do that maybe you could create like an extra like a like a breakaway league and make teams pro get promoted like from from this division and then create like three divisions out of the main the first two divisions because they're, they're like 58 teams between yeah, the first two give them any ideas yeah they could even come the to Primera to give some context the only ones that are in, in South America or Latin America that are closest to the European standards if you want to call it like that are Brazil yeah. and Mexico mm -hmm. and yeah. Argentina is the bottom what? with Bolivia in terms of <laughs> Time. But Mexico doesn't even have relegation, does it? Yeah, they, they, no, they they're closely. Yeah, I'm not taking Mexico. Yeah, no. sort of well, yeah, I'm just, I'm just giving context. You do, you do you. Uh, <laughs> I can have uh, you, tiny. But, but, anyway, but, Go but, but, but hey, uh, it doesn't make uh, the thing with that kind of stats is that when if you have a team like kind of just circling the ball around and not moving a lot, that's still kind of um, effective playing time. If the ball is, like the is in play, inflate the number. No, 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 but uh, what I'm saying is, if the, if the ball is still yeah, in play... Just because it's in play it doesn't mean anything interesting. So exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, that is exactly yeah, what, I was, yeah, yeah. what I was saying. I mean, that, there's an argument, and it's an interesting topic to go further up, because as it, it, you have a counterpart, as long... I mean, even if you have less playing time or less effective playing time, also Argentina usually is the, the, the league with more, uh, for example, well, precious main. Yeah. Or chances created, chances created, yeah. stuff like that. So players who go on to win the World Cup, <laughs> players going to go to the World Cup, obviously. So did it, I've. I mean, take, my point. You have my, to take everything into account. Obviously, but yeah. my point is, it's interesting that for a league that all the time we we argue, especially with the higher ups, that they want a better product and they use that war in particular. I don't think this is the way to go Absolutely. with a better product because, Not like yet. Dan said. Some games definitely need. It just needs. Yeah, during these first couple couple match days, when you when you clearly see that the pace is still kind of preseason. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the first game that we ever saw in twenty twenty four of first division Argentine football was Instituto Deportivo Riestra. Yeah. Is this the best way you try to sell a product abroad? Or even to the local market. If after so many, after so many weeks of nothingness, it makes sense, I guess, given how hard Ritter trains. Wait for Ritter to get out there first. Otherwise, we're going to explode. They were coiled springs. Ritter against Barracas and Dry Stadium. That is. 
Top quality. I want to be a team. Mm. Was it for Rietra? 3 a.m. trainings every day, triple triple shifts? With uh, I think they managed to score a fucking With quality. techno music. With techno music in the background, yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to put it on the table, see what happens, and actually happens. Happy time, Rocky film. Speaking of time with the ball in play and stoppage time, anyway, we're coming up to 47 minutes of recording for this first half. We normally do about 30 ish before I call half time. So now regretting that I asked <laughs> whether there was anything else we needed to mention quickly before half time, before I moved on to Evo Banega, uh, I am going to call half time. We'll be back with some listeners' questions and one or two other things after this short break. We mentioned, I think, last week that uh, the Copa Argentina was beginning. Can't remember whether we mentioned the full-time result. I think we did. I think we might have done, but just to make sure. Just to <laughs> make sure that we've got belt and braces. Uh, on Estudiantes began their defence with a 3-0 win over Argentino de Monte Maíz. We definitely mentioned yeah. that. Yes. Um, I had forgotten which Argentino it was, and in SofaScore it is showing us Argentino M. Which, given that there is an Argentino de Mendoza de Merlo. and yeah. an Argentino de Merlo, uh, is not very helpful. If it had said Argentino MM, then it would have been much more help. Um, the next Copa Argentina match is taking place on the 6th of February. That's the day you leave, isn't it, Tony? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Oh, you're going to miss it. Between oh. Gimnasia and Centro Español. Oh, my God. Um, I recommend you to, to postpone it. Yeah. No, I can, I, can, I can get the Wi-Fi on the plane. And, ah. <laughs> and then there are three Copa Argentina matches on the 7th. Which, uh, actually, the 7th is, I think, probably going to be the time of the day we next record. Uh, those matches are Deportivo Riestra versus Comunicaciones, Belgrano versus Mitre, and River versus Excursionistas, a Belgrano derby that will no doubt not be held anywhere on this side of the country. Retro um, Comunicaciones. It's like a Bemetro Grunch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sounds natural. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like Comunicaciones is going to go out there and try to absolutely like, n- destroy Deportivo Retro, even if they don't score any goals. Like the last time they played was that final, with, I think, what was it? 2019, yeah, to, to, right? to, to, uh, prom- to get promoted yeah. to the NSA. Well, where it got suspended at the end and then they came back to play, Five minutes. I think it was two halves of two and a half minutes. <laughs> Jesus. But by 2026 we could probably have communications in first division and have that match also in first division. So. Who knows? Optimistic. Um, speaking of where matches are being played... I know that we've had a mixed question about this, but I'm going to head it up anyway because, as I said, I, I wasn't aware that Boca were going to be hosting um, Sarmiento in the Nuevo Gasometro. What's going on? Why are there so many games being played in stadiums where those teams don't normally play their home games? I mean, I mean we mentioned Barracas Central already. They're redoing mm-hmm. their ground, mm-hmm. and I guess you know Lanús's ground is 
a lot bigger than Barracas Central's ground, and they're home to River, so yeah, fair enough. You want to sell a few more tickets. Godoy Cruz as well, who played in a smaller stadium. Yeah. In the their own. Their own. their own stadium? Yeah. No, it wasn't the Rhine, I think. Yeah, the Gambarte. Feliciano Gambarte, that's their stadium. I'm pretty sure it was a different one, like I'd read. You got it now. In the Victor Antonio Legrotalli. Oh, no, 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 that's independent in in of Avias. Right? No, Las Heras. Ah, Las Heras. That's I can't one. remember the... Fir- the Victor n- Legrotalli, yeah. Yeah, something Las Heras. Is. No, Huracán Las Heras. Huracán Las Heras. That's yes. the one. I knew I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> yes. So, so and you also have, um, what, uh, Riestra playing in Huracán. Who's mm. playing in Argentinos? Recently? Argentinos? No, but apart from them. Apart from them. Argentinos and Huracán. I've not seen that Someone one. was playing at, at Argentinos who wasn't Argentinos. But my <laughs> question, anyway, and one of our listeners' questions, mm-hmm. is why is this happening so much all of a sudden this year? I feel like uh, there's something to do with uh, that most teams had um, designated this kind of de- this kind of uh, dates to um, change their what do the this uh, I don't know the word in English for it like resiembra. Uh, resowing the picks. Yeah, yeah. resowing the picks exactly, and uh, they weren't ready in time for the okay, for the so beginning of basically the it's because we have a shorter summer break than we used to yeah exactly okay. because yes. the, the zone summer started way before because of the Copa America interesting Boca, Boca had the same problem because I, I heard mm-hmm. that they because of the elections yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah they didn't want to oh yeah they had the mess up the pitch. the pitch for absolutely ages because mm-hmm. like, of the delays that kept happening yeah. Yeah. Racing will have done the same but they didn't nah <laughs> just playing <laughs> Playing the nuevo potrero of the light, the new lights look good though. Yeah, they have some very nice new lights. <laughs> Still in the same place as before. Just yeah, but um, they're lead instead of halogen, or oh, perhaps okay. the other way around. I um, imagine it's lead instead of halogen. <laughs> I yes. can't imagine they'd be replacing lead ones with mm. halogen lamps. Well, you say that, but the halogen ones were only about a year old. Um, they read on it all without realizing that the Libertadores stipulated the uh, use of lead lights so they had to mm. rip all out and do it again well wow. yes um but they look speaking good. of the libertadores it gets going also on the 6th of february every basically everything <laughs> in knockout tournaments starts going just as tony leaves um with an epic clash between academia puerto cabello venezuela and defensor esporting of Uruguay. That's the only match that is in qualification round one. And then there's a bunch of other stuff in qualification round one uh, on the following couple of days that does not involve any Argentine teams. Argentina's teams start to enter the competition in qualification round two. Godoy Cruz have been drawn against Colo Colo of Chile. First leg of that is on the 22nd of February. The second leg is on the 29th of February. Godoy Cruz will be at home for the first leg. Beyond that, obviously, we will preview the Copa Libertadores a little bit more mm. properly mm. when the group stages actually arrive. And we will obviously also give you um, updates on what's happening in the qualification rounds. The Sudamericana, when does that get going? March. Qualification round one, 5th of March. Uh, so I don't know whether it's going to be like it has been in the last few years, but the last few years it's been like for some reason they've had like six rounds of matches in the space of a month and a half and then nothing until August or something <laughs> when the whole rest of it gets going. 
Um, so we shall see. Anything else, Jim? Second division. I feel obliged to mention the Preolimpico. Only yeah, because yeah, Sorry, yeah, what's happening right now is a festival of great names. Mm-hmm. And I know you enjoy it. Um, so the last round of group Zone A games have been played at the moment. Um, and and Venezuela. Venezuela. 3-0 up on Brazil. Yes. Oh, wow. So they're leaving Ecuador in the dust. Apparently and they're qualifying so. for, um, for the final four. Three and a half on the Brazil team who yeah. are already qualified. Anyway. Yeah, but still. Winners, I mean, they're they really... I mean, Ecuador had done everything they everything they needed to do and they had the final the and final round. But they had the final round. They had a bye in the final round. Yeah. And now Venezuela is taking advantage of it. But Venezuela is the host as well. Who could have possibly yeah. predicted this? The most important thing, though, is yeah. the names of the goal scorers. Oh. Telaco, Segovia... Telasco. I mean, okay. he rings a bell. Too. He rings a bell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Plays in Portugal. Oh, there it is. It's, it's, it's like highly rated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Venezuela's third goal was a nine goal from Riquelme. Oh, oh yeah. Riquelme with a K. Right. Yeah, there, there's like loads of Brazilian kids named mm-hmm. Riquelme who are almost all of them playing in the Copinha. Yeah. Argentinos so had a... It's not Riquelme because he's Brazilian, it's Riquelme. Riquelme. Argentinos had a Roman Riquelme in the bench the other day. Ah. No, he's le- he left the club. Roman Riquelme, it's the... Mm. And he left the club now. I think he has, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a shame. It's Is he related? No. Nah. No. Even worse, Bolivia is winning against Colombia, too. Mm. But yeah, they're already out. Yeah. Schubert is Bolivia. Sorry? Schubert is Bolivia. Yeah. <laughs> and that's from... Two goals from the quite prosaically named Jose Briseño. So we're going to have to waste that much time on that. Boo. Um, they do have a Denilson, believe you. Denilson Duran. Yep. That's a strong one. Dragging yes. it back to Argentina. Argentina uh, are through, yes. We mentioned in passing their 5 0 win over Chile mm-hmm. uh, the other day. The scoring was opened by actual World Cup winner, not children's World Cup winner Thiago Almada who then scored the second uh, so he scored the opener right on the stroke of half time scored the second with a penalty early in the second half Santiago Castro made it 3-0 Aaron Quiroz made it 4 and then in the 90th minute inevitably because it's happened in every game so far Luciano Gondo who still isn't starting any matches for some reason scored another goal why has Luciano Gondo not got a start in the group stage? Three goals in 30 minutes or yeah. something I mean, like that? If he scores off the right. bench, what play? I mean, the <laughs> thing is, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I feel like game state uh, kind of plays a role in, in the fact that Luciano Gondo seems like uh, a guy who was, I mean, takes advantage of trying to take on defenders when they're really tired with his movement and uh, maybe Macherano favors someone who can play more with the back to the goal like some like Saticatro. Okay. Who can be a little bit frustrating at times, but he does look really energetic when trying to combine with a uh, with Echeverri and with Armada. I mean from what I've seen at least. That's the conclusion that I get. So are we saying that considering some of the criticism Mascherano has come in for, as we discussed last week, are we saying this mm. is just brave management from him to stick to his principles and his clear idea he of might how say, the game should Look, I put Gondou in the first, last, latest minutes of his goal, so I will keep like that. Yeah. And in fact, he perhaps said, no, no, <laughs> put me in the last 20 minutes because <laughs> I am scoring. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't, I don't want the chance to yeah. score four goals in a game. So why would I do that? No. Just, um, <laughs> then I guess they're unbeaten. They've got yeah. the joint best scoring record in the competition and the best defensive record. So something. I mean, but now they will be facing good. a lot more. Well, they've got the joint best a lot tougher opposition now until Venezuela score their next goal against Brazil. Because at the moment, yes, yeah. I think Paraguay was was tough. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I mean, the, the toughest opposition they will be facing, they will face it again. Uh, in Paraguay, they will of course face Uruguay before playing this uh, yeah. this final four. This final four eliminated rounds. Uruguay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Marcelo Bielsa has gone out in an extremely Bielsesque way with scoring uh, six with, goals with in a lot of the three games. with a lot of the kids, the, the kids world champions as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, as Santi has just said, Argentina will be playing Uruguay. In their remaining group game, Paraguay will be playing Chile in and their remaining group works. game. Peru um, are already out anyway. And as Dan says, they're all dead rubbers because Argentina and Paraguay have both won two and drawn one. Uruguay and Chile have both won one and lost two, yes. which means Argentina and Paraguay already guaranteed their places in the final four. Which will start Monday. Monday. Yeah. So they play the those matches that we just mentioned. By the way, they play tomorrow and then yes. Yeah, so and it's the only off, one round, uh, like one. Yeah. So it's going to be three games where Argentina will need to win mm-hmm. or two. go. They need to finish in the top two, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Winning two, or four. Yeah, 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 you win two, but you can still go out with two wins. Difficult, but difficult. it can happen. Really? <laughs> yeah, with six uh, points, it, it can happen. Yeah, yeah and um, if, if if three t- if one team lose all their games, uh, exactly. Well, yeah, well, that, that will depend on the tiebreaker if it's yeah. goal difference or yeah, if it's results between each other or mm-hmm. yeah. whatever. But if it's results between each other, then it will come down to goal difference in the matches between each other. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Realistically, I'd be shocked if they won two out of three games and didn't make it. Uh, it's match generosity. <laughs> <laughs> and and the pressure's on, right? Because they they're playing basically. To protect Lionel Messi's dream of becoming a double Olympic gold medalist. Absolutely. Because Messi's going to be playing in the yeah, Olympics. We can already say that Di Maria will not join him. Yes. As he has nice. already ruled himself out mm. of an eventual Olympic squad because he wants to retire once the Copa America is done. So that at least that's one from less... international football. From international football, yes. Yeah. Because he's moving back to Rosario. Yeah, Real, yeah. Isn't he? that's what we, season, all, so. we all assume is going to happen. Then he's got no one. Yeah. That is one hundred percent sure. Yes. I mean, he said it. He said it. Ah, okay. uh, well, not that he will move to Rosario Central, but that he will retire after inter- from international football after the Copa America. He said that. But even Conor has post that he will play Libertadores for Rosario Central. So. Yeah, but the national team football. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But how's he gonna? I mean. A Conmebol saying that they're going to be rigging Rosario Central's group games <laughs> to ensure that he's in the knockout stages. I'm gonna. I want to tell Very you something. I want to tell you something now. I was asked yesterday how many players, Argentine players, in the Premier League score in their birthday, mm-hmm. and the player that was the birthday yesterday scored. So there is yeah. a script somewhere. <laughs> if you want some more conspiracy theories from me, there's a script somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it exists. Um, let's move on to Lister's questions. Mm. Um, we had one the other day from someone. Oh, no, we didn't. I thought we'd have one. Oh, yes, we did. Uh, and it's the one that we've kind of already answered. American Red tweeted us and said, Why is Barracas Central playing in Lanusa's stadium? How many other teams play there? 
And why, if it's always empty every time the stadium is on TV? Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, uh, one other team play there, and that team is Lanus. Mm -hmm. You'll often see other matches not involving Lanus there because it's one of the more popular Greater Buenos Aires venues for the Copa Argentina. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also a fairly handy fallback for some of the, the teams in that kind of area of Greater Buenos Aires because it's really big. Uh, Plus, I guess they've actually bothered to conditioning it. Yeah. To condition it for yeah, home and away fans. Nice I mean, I feel like the Banfield main, Stadium... The main stand that the TV cameras yeah. are in was fairly recently renovated, like a few years ago. It was being renovated when I went last. Um, but there were four games in six days played there. It is a lot. Like yeah, it's a lot. I mean, yeah. when you also have Banfield Stadium, which I feel like it's probably like at the, the same size, but even looks better, it's more modern, it's in a kind of safer area as well. I mean, it's... Begs the question: Why isn't that stadium used as well? So basically, Lanús next week are going to have to play in Barraca Central Stadium because the Lanús grass <laughs> is going to be absolutely shagged. Well, Nico Russo, right? Yeah. And I mean, if it looks empty, it, it's because it is quite a big ground as yeah. well. So, like, it's you know. I mean, it's Barraca Barraca Central has fifty fans, all of whom live within about. 10 yards of the Barraca Central Stadium. All are relatives of one. I actually saw some, I saw some in Barracas on last night uh, mm. on the way to Racing. They stayed there instead of going to Lanús, apparently. Wow. It all looked kitted out and everything. So. Okay. Well, Lawrence Hart says, I spent a good two and a half hours at work today listening to the last two episodes. <sighs> Sorry, they're so long, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry that this one's so long as well. Um, Argentina is very good at supplying footballers to the world, but who is the best import to the Argentine league, both now and in history? I mean, I think in history, we have to, especially since Santi's here, we have to say Arsenio Enrico, right? By default, the top scorer yeah. ever mm -hmm. in the Argentine top flight. Makes sense. That's not who, who particularly else, controversial. Who, who else would be kind of more or less up there with him, obviously, excepting Juan Fernando Quintero? Who Quintero's a good shout, yeah. It's a Francesco Oh yeah, Roman Pass. Boca don't have a lot of like Pedro Yarley, but he's not in the same brand. Nah, I mean, Martinez. Yeah, good. They had the, yeah. the, the whole Rossi. Colombian crew in the early two thousands. Like none of them really stood out. I don't think as an idol. Bermudez, Córdoba, Oscar Córdoba. There was yeah. a time in which Colombia and Boca were yes, usually linked. Yeah, but no, none of them are super. They're still linked like, now, but now Boca wish they weren't. That's true. <laughs> Uh, that that romance yeah. has pretty much ended like, very abruptly. Well, about other teams, I, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm wondering whether we can piece together an eleven now. But I mean, Chilabert sticks out in goal. Chilabert, Chilabert, Chilabert not necessarily as a great goalkeeper, but as a great. No, he was a great goalkeeper. He was a great goalkeeper. No, Chilabert. Chilabert. No, okay, Chilabert. Right back. Right back. Or or any three centre backs. Celso Ajala could Celso be one of the centre backs. Oh, okay, yeah. mm -hmm. Celso Ajala. Shepes. Mario Shepes, nice. No, I would prefer Iván Córdoba there. If I want to go in Colombia, uh, I would prefer Iván Córdoba. Where did Iván Córdoba play? San Lorenzo. Oh, oh, right. You're right, yeah. you're right. Okay, maybe, maybe a back three. Okay, okay. Are we judging them on the players or how they did in Argentina? That's the question. Good question, Good because, question. because we, we can have Cavani. And uh, yeah, 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 it's not been great. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, we could have. Uh, I just, right, Lo Lawrence's question is the best import to the Argentine league. So I think we have to judge it on how they did in Argentina. Okay. Right. So uh, Chile Everton goal. Chile yes. goal. Celso Jala. I yes. feel like he should go in. Yes. Was Jepes better than Ivan Ramiro Cordova? Here, yes. Okay. Jepes. Here, yes. And uh, Bermudez. Yeah. I would say that's a back three. 
uh, in midfield, uh, someone who can hold Serna. Yep. Serna. Because we're going to make room for the the double ten of Pass and Francesca Leone. Exactly. Yes. And, um, so who can play a wing Quintero? Uh, hmm? No, 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 no. Oh, Quintero doesn't. Quintero doesn't call the. Quintero, Quintero, Quintero scored the mo- the biggest goal in River Plate's history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was bit, I was half joking, but I'm yeah. gonna try to justify. Yeah, it. yeah. No, he's yeah. no, he's different in a different perhaps face, but wait. Uh, well, let's do a four-two-three-one. Well, three-three-one. Well, Cordova can play on can play on the can play a fullback, yeah. so we can. So who who else can play fullback? Well, three, uh, four, three. Oh, yeah, but we we you need you need uh, wing backs. We yeah. don't have many well, of those. Do who you said that? Well, yeah, good you point. Can just play four, three, three, and push, three, yeah, four, yeah, three, and push high. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but let me think of a, another midfielder: Serna and uh, Acuna, the Paraguayan from Independiente. Yeah, Acuna, yeah, yeah. but but yeah, but he was born in Argentina. Ah, okay. So it's not an import. Mm. He's from Avellaneda, in fact. So oh. uh, let me think. Uh, this is a good one. <laughs> Wait, um, no, 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 no. I'm thinking Paul Ambrosio, but he wasn't good, was he? No. Jesus Christ. And and we have a, a selection of strikers, you know, not just uh, Enrico, well, we but also Juan, Juan, Juan Pablo Angel, yeah. Pipino yeah, yeah. Cuevas, Alexis Sanchez, Bosa Silva de Polichitas. The Uruguayans. <laughs> yeah. 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 Trying to actually put a proper formation to this is proving quite tricky, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, the thing is we have to think of midfielders and we, we, yeah. we can't quite uh, wrap our head around what... <laughs> the right balance. Yeah. So while Tony looks for something or other on his phone that I assume is going to be to do with this, yeah. um, I will read out Tommy Wendia's question, which is the last of the evening. He says, who are your favourite and least favourite footballers of all time? Also, someone hug Tony for me, please. Um, I mean, least favorite is a, a, a far. Yeah, have a couple. It's easy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let, no let's problem. let's narrow it down. Least favorite players that have played for your team. Okay. Rowan Dario Carroll. That's a quick one. My, my my answer is Easy not one. really relevant at all to the podcast. <laughs> in that case, it's going to be uh, a Manchester United player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, gents, not up on the floor. Too. No, Rwanda Ricardo. For those that didn't know, he uh, played a lot of time in Union, made probably part of the squad of the best recent Union team that ended up mm-hmm. uh, fighting until the last couple of uh, matches to the first uh, title that Carlos Bianchi had mm-hmm. with Boca. That team, I think, ended up fourth or fifth because it ran on steam, but for mm-hmm. a lot of time it was the second team in that table. Um, then went to Marseille to play, play in France and come back and play free in Cologne. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. Go. Easy choice. <laughs> and uh, an easy one. <laughs> and your favourite? Assad. Um, <laughs> historically, I will say of Fantasma Ruiz or Madelon. Mm. And recently... From the ones that you've seen. And recently, I will say probably from what it like the uh, connection to the team itself, I would say Nero Fernandez. Hmm. I mean, yeah. we didn't have like great players to. to I mean, you did have a, like uh, you know, Triverio. You have good stints, Malcorra, Gamba, Gamba. I mean, there are good no, players, but like when it feels to represent hmm. the club, I would say. 
uh, and Vitas for representation, but yeah. Address? Well, the least favorites are, are a lot because players who <laughs> play there and now I remember them perhaps unhappily. I know, for example, Maestra is perhaps almost a known player or a forgiven, uh, forgotten player, but a, a former Platense player, and I don't know why River signed him. <laughs> and well, favorites are also a lot. But Ulrich Ortega is clearly top. Also, wait, mm. I, ha I would have to mention a lot, but uh, yes, it's clearly the, 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 the most known of them, it's, it's him. Mm. Yeah. I'm gonna go favorite Milito. Yeah. And least favorite. Um, you have a list. Right? Not so much, there's a few, but I'm gonna say not so much for what he did or didn't do in Racing, just because he always seems like a very unpleasant person. Let's go for Agostino Dion. Oh yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's a that's. I a like the general murmur. That's a of popular choice there, yeah. if I see if I've seen one. For a little bit of poetic mirroring here, I'm really hoping that Santi's going to say that his favourite is also Milito. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't get to see Milito. I didn't Milito. only only when he returned and he was like in one leg. So oh I'm my god, you make me feel so. That's how young you are. You make me yes. feel so. My god. I mean, my first in the painter memories are like from 2000. So you you weren't able to watch, for example... No, nope, I've never seen Independiente win the league. Oh, because he didn't come back to play at Independiente, did he? Until he was like... His brother came back to Rasta. No, 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 he, he, Milito returned to Independiente, yeah. Gabriel. But he was like in a really sorry state. He played like he was, six matches. To be fair, he was in a sorry state from about the age yeah. of 28 onwards. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to say favourites. Uh, I'm going to go with someone who I feel like I mean, I'm, I'm proud that uh, he's been representing Independiente, even if it's not someone who has came, come through the youth ranks. It's going to be Nicolás Teglefico. I mean, it's like... Fair enough. The best captain that I've seen uh, representing Independiente by far in my life. He was, of course, he, he lifted a title. He was like an example. He played whatever he, the, the manager wanted to. He was a, a great player to watch as well, and now he's a world champion as well, so... Props and uh, least favorite. Ooh. I have my my selection. It's a really long fucking list considering that I probably witnessed the worst era of independent ever. Do you feel responsible for? Why so? I'm just asking. You can say no. <laughs> no. Okay. Cool. I, I feel like there there's people responsible. Some of them are actually you know pretty popular with the general people. But anyway. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, someone who is not exactly, I mean, not for what he did on the pitch, but what he offered. It's you. You will all not in agreement and know why I say this one. But Gonzalo Verón. Who? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, he's the guy who uh, played almost zero minutes, uh, came supposedly on a free, and has tried to uh, sue in the painting for about five million dollars ever since. Remember um, him? Yes, I've but the, I think there are quite yes, as, as you said. Perhaps but he's, he's the guy that's another been one. Amorevieta. No, Amorevieta has, was a good player, man. Yes. He was he was he started in the Copa Sudamericana final. Left. I mean, that was uh, that was on Holland because he was uh, telling him that he would be the Gardener. I mean, that that's more on him. Uh, he didn't like uh, taking the paint to court or anything. Unlike someone like him or even someone like Luciano Lee, someone who would be another great choice. The guy who tried to embargo in the Benitez trophies. Mm -mm. Remember that? 
Yeah, that's another choice. Can I add, can I add the, my favorite player from Independiente from where, before you were born? And I saw Panchito Guerrero. Oh, Panchito what Guerrero. A player. One, what a player. Probably uh, like one of the best kind of youth players Argentina has had. Like mm-hmm. he was like the yeah. star of the under 20s. In yeah, the we, can, first, we can yeah. do, we can do another generation. Another so the post-Pocini area, I think, yes. Gustavo López, Rambar. Gustavo López, Rambar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Garnero. El Cunagüero, of course. Mm-hmm. Barco. I will, I'll try to give an answer based on my team um, that is strictly relevant to this podcast. So in other words, people who've been involved with Argentine football who've played for Manchester United. I know uh, exactly who your least favourite player well, is going to be. Yeah, exactly. Co- so my favourite is very hard to pick because obviously I've been <laughs> obsessed for 20-odd years now with Argentine football. Anytime United sign an Argentine or somebody from Argentine football, like Diego Forlán, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, very happy, and I love them. But yeah, the least favourite has to be Carlos Tevez because of <laughs> how we left the club. Second, everything about that. Second least favourite would be. I'm going to say have to in a slightly different way here, but it just because of how his spell there went would have to be Angel Di Maria, okay. focusing solely on how he was for you. Performance, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, long-term listeners to this podcast are aware that none of us were Angel Di Maria's greatest. <laughs> fans until he scored the first and second most important possibly goals uh, that the national team has scored in the current century and you know we're all very much converse to him now and we love him <laughs> no I never had a problem with him as a person anyway but um, yeah it just I, I couldn't as I said at the time I couldn't work out why Louis van Gaal was signing him Louis van Gaal came in in 2014 made all of this song and dance about I want players who are going to put their foot on the ball think and then play the pass and we're going to know exactly why they're doing everything that they're going to do in this team and then his first signing is Angel Di Maria and it was just yeah that, that Angel Di Maria to be fair yeah I mean it was uh, an Angel Di Maria who had been amazing for Real Madrid playing in midfield not on the but wing but not completely not playing the style of football yeah that Louis van Gaal very much said from the start he wanted to play yeah, yeah that like, makes sense if you that want somebody sense. who's going to who's going to think about everything they do you don't sign Angel Di Maria from Real Madrid in 2014 but then again it's very good if you just point him towards the goal the opposition goal and go run exactly. that way and when you see the byline coming up just kick it <laughs> sort of in towards the middle brilliant yeah, he's in quite the world a special guy he can work with everyone and, and he has i think perhaps mm. problems to adapt and well Manchester is perhaps not a particular easy to, to well, yeah, Di Maria yeah, has said that uh, Di Maria has said that he he was going through hell in Manchester. He he actually had his house uh, broken into, uh, and I feel like I think his wife has said that it was the the worst place she ever lived in, something like that. Ridiculous thing to say, but anyway. Um, <laughs> no, people who don't like a bit of bad weather could have no time for that. But anyway. Uh, we are now going to take a very short break and when we come back we will have Mystic Sam and then we're off. Okay, this coming weekend... Oh god, is there another midweek round next week? Mm, don't think so. No. Yeah, there is. Is it? That's why I said it. It was rhetorical. I'm looking at the dates. How many midweek rounds have we got? Yeah, yeah, that's Saturday. That's, that's, that's why. That's game of this weekend's on the sixth, and then there's a match on the eighth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh my. That, that, that's why you have released the the schedule oh, for the first six rounds. 
Anyway, this weekend, I'll, I'll just do this like I did last week, I'll just do the, the weekend round. Uh, Independiente. No, it's not, it's t- uh, two weekend rounds, but one finishes on Tuesday and the other starts on Thursday. So it's not actually midweek. It just means we have that every That happened last year a lot. Yes. I'm not amused anyway. It's having 28 teams in the league and yeah. having to find some sort of time for a Well, I'll, I'll predict most of the next round on next week's podcast in that case. Independiente versus Gimnasia is going to be a draw. Tacheres versus Rosario Central. Uh, I can't remember how either of those two teams have done. Oh, that's going to be a draw as well. Um, Independiente Rivadavia, I think, will lose at home to Huracan. Deportivo Riestra versus Barracas. Ooh, that's a juicy one, isn't it? <laughs> I, will, I, will, I, will, I will pay attention to the uh, effective time of that one. Yeah. It will be the first game in football history where both teams get three points. It will be either 15 minutes or 70. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be the first Gaelic football uh, game to ever be played in Argentina. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for a Riestra win. Oh. I think that River will get a win at home to Venice. Platense versus Central Cordoba will be a Platense win. Newells will beat Belgrano with five goals from free kicks by Ever Banega. San Lorenzo that versus... That will be a I'm sure it would be. San Lorenzo versus Union will be a draw. Godoy Cruz versus Lanús will be... I mean, I don't know how... I've listened to two episodes of this podcast so far. This season. I don't know how either of these two teams are doing. Uh, Godoy Cruz is going to win that one. Tigre versus Boca is going to be yet another draw for Boca. <laughs> Estudiantes versus Racing, the big test that Dan was talking about <laughs> earlier. Um, I think that the real Racing will stand up, and that, that will be an Estudiantes. They're really slim shady. Banfield versus, Estudi- uh, versus Instituto uh, will be a Banfield win. Sarmiento versus Defensa y Justicia is a draw. And Atletico Tucumán versus Argentinos is also a draw. Uh-huh. Uh, so many draws. Yeah. In part because I don't really know how anybody's done so far. And it's very early in the season to tell still. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly the second thing. Because form's just still all over the place. As we leave you then, Central Córdoba versus Godoy Cruz and Unión versus Estudiantes are both nil-nil after about quarter of an hour. Um... I'll give you the full-time scores of them later. Boca versus Samiento finished 1-1 earlier, as we mentioned. And thank you very much for listening to us for another week. And goodbye from Dan. Goodbye. Santi. See you around, guys. Andres. Thank you, goodbye. For the last time, for now at least, Tony. See you in the future. And uh, hope you come back on if you visit Buenos Aires. If future. it still exists, sure. <laughs> of course it will. And the podcast as well. <laughs> uh, and from me, thank you and goodbye. Both of this evening's matches were still goalless when we stopped recording, uh, but there were two goals very shortly after we stopped recording. Uh, Godoy Cruz scored twice in the space of five or ten minutes, and those turned out to be the only goals. They ended up winning 2-0 away to Central Córdoba, and Estudiantes finished as 1-0 winners against Unión, thanks to a 76th-minute goal from Santiago Ascasibar. Uh, which means that Estudiantes and Newells 
and Godoy Cruz are the three teams in Group B with 100% records, since I mentioned it at the start of the episode, I might as well carry it through now. Uh, and in Group A, as we already knew, uh, it's just Independiente at the top with two wins from two matches. 